KRCO, Salt Lake City. In honor of Volunteer Appreciation Month, everyone here at the station wants to say thank you to the countless number of volunteers that make KRCL, KRCL. From 1979 to 2022 and beyond, we would not be here without our dedicated volunteers. Whether you're a DJ, you're out hauling the tent all summer, or you're on the board or answering phones during Radiothon, it all goes to making KRCL what we all know and love today. That's the way we get by, the way we get by. And welcome to Radioactive, a show for grassroots activists, community builders, punk rock farmers, and DIY creatives. Weeknights at 6 on KRCL. I'm Laura Jones. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for plugging into your community with us on weeknights at 6. Tonight, we're going to take a look at the Crown Act, which stands for Create a Respectful and Open World for Natural Hair. I'll be passing the microphone to Alicia Derso Garfield of Curly Me and Imani Powell of Essence of Ebony, who helped to educate the African diaspora and provide services in our community. We're going to find out all about what they're up to, a new book that Imani has to help folks as well. Lots of classes available. Poetry still happens, coming up with Trish Hopkinson of Rock Canyon Poets. I spoke with her earlier today. I'll share that conversation all about poetry events, calls for submissions, and such. Trish, Trish will also share one of her own poems to prompt you to write some verse of your own. But let's start with rallies and resources, shall we? If you go to krcl.org, click on Community Affairs, you'll find this list curated by the Radioactive team. For those of you lucky enough to score a ticket, starting right now up at the Utah Museum of Fine Arts, another ACME session, this one Bees and Botanicals, Quilting Techniques from Hawaii to Utah, and featuring one of our guests from earlier this week, Moani and her Bird of Paradise. Uh, quilting Techniques will be on display, and of course, the exhibit in which her quilt is hanging is on display through May 5th. And that is Handstitch World's The Cartography of Quilts. More details in the Rallies and Resources page. On Tuesday, April 19th, UCASA is holding a workshop and fundraiser helping survivors of sexual assault in Utah, 6 p.m. at the Provo Library. Your tickets gets you dinner, grab bags of goodies, and of course, you're helping to do some good work in the community. The funds raised will help continue their workshops on how to help survivors and training in the community. Also on the 19th, 7 p.m. online, Black, Bold, and Brilliant, you can follow The Drinking Gourd. That's the movie that you'll be screening and then a Q&A afterward with a Black, Bold, and Brilliant team, a collaboration among the Utah Film Center and KRCL's Radioactive. On Wednesday, April 20th, yes, it's 420 day, and on that day, Facebook Live, a garden coaching event with Wasatch Community Gardens, their education director, Mary Beth Janerick. What you ask her... And what advice you seek to grow on 420 Day, well, that is up to you. Thursday, April 21st, Women Who Succeed presents a conversation with Dr. Bernice King. 5 p.m. at the Eccles Theater in downtown Salt Lake City. King is a global thought leader and a peace advocate and a CEO of the King Center, which was founded by her mother, Coretta Scott King. Rallies and resources, we're going to now get an update on a nonprofit in our community. It's called Clean Slate Utah. And joining us to talk about it, we have Executive Director Noella Sudbury. Hi. Hi, thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. Thanks for coming in. And you brought with us a friend. Would you like to introduce? I did. This is Amy Daschle here with me. Hello. Hi, Amy. You've been through the expungement process a couple of times yourself, and you're going to share a bit of your your story and advice. And that's kind of what I wanted to get an update, because last time you were on, first of all, we were Zooming this. Thanks for coming to our new studios. It's beautiful. And uh, February, early February was the press conference about the Clean Slate Law coming into effect. And uh, what has happened since then? Has it just been an, uh, like, you know, from a fire hose, people reaching out? It has been very busy at Clean Slate, Utah. The law officially went into effect on February 10th of this year, which was just a little over two months ago, and automatic record clearance has begun. So at the event, uh, the governor and the courts announced that over 450,000 Utahns will have at least one record eligible for automatic expungement. And I remember at the press conference that I saw online, Amy, you spoke and so passionately 
as someone who's gone through this themselves. Um, and you still have another round, but now that the law's in place, it's gonna be a little easier? Yes, absolutely, it absolutely be easier. So going through my first two expungements, I had, uh, I went through the county process, so the county had some funding and was helping us do some expungements, and they paid the initial fees up front. However, I was responsible for every certification fee, which is $65 a case, and most of us that have been out on the streets, lost in substance use, have multiple charges. So I was going up for nine charges at the first time. So it ended up costing me well over $2,000 on my first expungement. My second one, I have two that I just did, and I still have five remaining. That's a, a lot of money, I'm guessing, that maybe you didn't exactly have at the time. Right. And it's something that you talked about at the press conference um, to do these expungements, there's a lot that people don't see. You know, we talk about being a nation that believes in second chances, and I'm guessing you came up against whether or not that's true. Absolutely, Maybe. absolutely. I mean, most people don't understand the work that somebody has to go in once they get into recovery, right? So you get the chance, they put you through treatment, and then it's good luck into the world, right? But what they don't understand is the requirements that you still have placed on you. You're going to drug court once a week. You are meeting with your probation officer. You're still required to drug test once a week. You know, and we get that narrative that, oh, you can just go get a job. However, you need to find a job that will work around your drug court, that will work around your drug testing, that will work around your treatment schedule so that you can comply with your court orders. So that's, a, that's one of the big barriers that comes into place that people don't understand. And I'm guessing, you know, uh, disposable income is not a phrase I would associate with perhaps the jobs that you had at that time? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You're barely making it to survive. My very first job was a $9 an hour job. And so, I mean, as you can imagine, you know, I'm going to treatment in the, for half of the day because my treatment was during the day for outpatient. And then I would work the entire night at a treatment center at $9 an hour just trying to be in compliance with court orders. So this is the journey for folks trying to put their lives back together, Noella. And Clean Slate came out of a lot of the work that you were doing at the county. Uh, and then you form this nonprofit, and now there's a new addition to the slate of tools that folks who are seeking expungement uh, can have access to. You've got a new venture, right? Yes. Um, so in addition to, so Clean Slate Utah has grown a ton and demand is high. Um, and as the law was about to go into effect, I was starting to hear from a lot of justice-involved individuals who unfortunately were not qualifying for automatic clearance. So even though automatic clearance will apply to a lot of people, there are some offenses, misdemeanors, um, and all felony records that are eligible for expungement, but you still are faced with that traditional court process, yeah, which no is automatic. very hard. There no was, automatic. There were thousands of folks who qualified, though, as of February yes, 10th. 450,000. Wow. Yes. Considering the population of the Wasatch Front at, what, 1.5 million. That's a, a huge chunk of our population. But then there are the folks that need um, more procedure process bureaucracy. Correct. And so to serve them, people started asking, well, could you do something to help us too? Automatic clearance is wonderful, but I have a felony record and it's expensive and the process is terrible. So what can you do? And so I recently formed a new company. It's a public benefit corporation called RASA. And what RASA does is provide low cost legal expungement services to people who need them. And there's an app coming? Yes, there's an app coming. Um, hopefully ready to release in May. And that app will make it super easy for individuals to type in their name and date of birth, figure out what's on their record, what is eligible for expungement. And then if they need a lawyer to help them or want a lawyer to help them, they can retain a lawyer for $500. I'm guessing there's a segment of our listenership going, well, if you did the time, this is part of paying back for the crime. But I'm guessing a lot of folks, the bureaucracy is just too much. You know, they say on a website, if you have to click more than twice, you lose people. So the hoops you got to jump through to seek expungement. And I'm just talking about the red tape, not the actual hard work that gets you to that red tape. That's a lot. Absolutely. Even trying to figure out whether you're eligible is a burden for people. We have a very complicated statute. Most people I talk to say, well, I know I was in trouble with the law. I know I've got cases. I can't remember when they were or what they were. And so how can I even use the statute to determine if I qualify? And how, how can I do this without 
ending up perhaps back in jail. Yes. Right? Absolutely. Because it's a very unforgiving, <laughs> rigid system, I guess. Yes. Okay. So we're talking about expungement in the beehive state. A new law went into effect in February, the clean slate law, a lot of automatic expungement, but perhaps you need a little bit more help. And we're talking with Noella Sudbury of Clean Slate, Utah, and now Rasa. Congratulations. Thank you. And Amy Daschle, who's gone through the process. You still have a few more. What is your advice to folks? Because you've, you've done the hoops. You've done the showing up. You've done the testing of all sorts of different aspects of your life. And you've gone through a lot of the red tape. What's your advice for folks facing this themselves or perhaps thinking, is it worth it? It's absolutely. Well, I'm sorry. Hold on. There you go. It's absolutely worth it. Um, from the situation that I had when I first started doing mine was a entirely different process. And after the expungement law went into effect, number one, that's going to automatically clear a lot of the charges. But number two, the petition-based process, it had, half the work has been taken out of it. So, I mean, they literally just have to pull it up on the app, see if they, if they qualify, and retain an attorney, and then the attorney's off and running. Takes out all of the stress and all of the heart, all of the nightmares that we have. You know, I, if, I, if I didn't have to do expungement, I'm a social work student, and so I have to get the, my record expunged to be uh, licensed in the state of Utah, if, I probably would have given up multiple times. You know, I mean, that's been my driving force, but my advice to everybody is to do your $25 consultation fee. See what you're eligible for, because everybody deserves a second chance. Yeah. Now, Clean Slate is a nonprofit. Correct. So what can folks access through Clean Slate? Absolutely. So Clean Slate is raising public awareness of automatic clearance and then for individuals who are 200% of the federal poverty line or below and are in this weird situation where either they were only partially cleared or not eligible for automatic clearance, Clean Slate Utah can cover that $65 application fee associated with the process. So how can folks get in touch? Go to cleanslateutah.org. And then watch for the RASA yes. to debut in May for folks that have a little more complicated uh, path to expungement. What's your advice for folks? We just asked Amy. You have been on the, the legal side of things, and I'm guessing I had your eyes open quite a bit over the course of your career to the struggles that folks like Amy face to put their lives back together. I would say that there's hope for everyone, everyone with a criminal record. Utah has so many options. Expungement is an option for many. Automatic expungement is a reality for many. We have a pardons process. So I would encourage them to just see what their options are. And um, there's a pathway for everyone to be able to move forward. Thank you so much. What's the website for Clean Slate? Uh, cleanslateutah.org. Thank you, Noella. Thank you. And Amy, when you uh, get your social work licensing and everything and you want to come and bring stories to the to the folks of utah our microphones are at your disposal i would love to all right thank you so much we're going to wrap up rallies and resources now with one of my uh, favorites especially when it comes to talking poetry it's trish hopkinson from rock canyon poets and i spoke with her earlier today here's that conversation happy national poetry month trish yes national poetry month happy uh, national poetry month to you too as we call it napomo or napo rimo <laughs> <laughs> well, we always have poetry on the show because poetry still happens. That's and right. You have been our guide, and I still have the poem ball machine. I'm bringing it back to the studio with me here so folks Excellent. can put a quarter, support local poets. Next time you're in town, you'll have to stop by and uh, get the quarters out of it, okay? That's that's my plan for sure, actually. I'll, I'll chat with you after the show about that. <laughs> Well, so there is the Utah Poetry Festival coming up this weekend, right? Yes, yes. There are some incredible events coming up, both in person and online. Uh, the Poetry Festival being, you know, the big one, of course. Uh, but you can find a full list on rockcanyonpoets.com. Uh, and this weekend, uh, the Utah Poetry Festival, which is organized by our very own Utah Poet Laureate, Paisley Rechtal. Uh, there's no cost to register, and all the events are open to the public. It's this weekend, Friday, April 15th, and, and Saturday, April 16th. And there's a little bit something for everyone. So there's sessions on teaching poetry, and there's craft talks, and a headline reading uh, featuring Utah poets uh, Danielle Dabrowski, Nancy Takis, and John Belk. So that'll be something not to miss that Saturday evening. 
I do have to put in a plug for the Friday headliners because Nan Seymour, childhood friend and orchestrator of the Great Salt Lake poem, uh, she's going to be on the bill with Kimberly Johnson and that one hosted by Paisley Rectal. And you, of course, check the show notes, go to Rock Kenya Poets and you can get all the details. They started, I, I think, in early April and have been doing a little bit here and there and here and there. And here's this big poetry festival happening this weekend. I'm so excited for folks who are going to be on the festival as well as folks attending and getting a big dose of Utah poetry, Trish. Yes, for sure. And that, you know, it doesn't stop there. So <laughs> there are more events. Like I said, they're all listed on rockcanyonpoets.com. But uh, also coming up on April 30th, not only for National Poetry Month, but also for Indie Bookstore Day. Yes. Is the Utah, yes, right? Is the Utah 125 series. And these are readings in person at bookstores all the way across the Wasatch Front. So there are several happening on April 30th. So no matter where you are, can find one that fits your schedule and and where you're located and they've compiled stories and poems by utah writers each 125 words long which was an awesome challenge i've got one on there um, one word to represent each year of the official state history and all the words layered together as part of an ongoing conversation about who we are and why we're here so pretty exciting project uh, ellen weiss who's who's pulling this all together, she said uh, specifically, maybe that's why literary stories do best. They remind us that no matter where you came from or what language you spoke when you arrived, being here is a choice to be lost in the surprises of this place. I really oh, love that quote. From yeah, you. yeah. And from Logan to Provo, Ogden to Salt Lake and on Zoom with Tory House writers on yes. Indie Day, April 30th. Again, check tonight's show notes for a link. So yeah. Red Garden does a really fun poetry walk. They do. So this actually, it's already started. It started April 1st and it runs clear through the month of May. And our weather is just getting really beautiful right now. So yeah, a little it's a bit great... sketchy this week, but you know, it's supposed to turn around. We're, I, I think we're I think that's behind us, or at least I'm hoping. Um, but you can, you can definitely enjoy the weather. Uh, take a walk uh, along Red Butte Garden for their garden poetry walk. And they're hosting poems written by 11 local poetry contest winners. And those are placed in display boxes throughout the garden. So you can kind of go enjoy uh, local poets there. Excellent. And then calls for submissions. Yes, there are always some great Utah organizations doing that good work, uh, publishing our poets. So you can uh, always send poems into the Provo Poetry Poem Ball Machine. We're always looking for as is uh, Utah Life Magazine and Western's, Western Humanities Review. They always have open calls. So all that info along with Utah Open Mics and other events, again, can be found at rockkenyonpoets.com. Hey, Trish, guess who's going to the copy shop this weekend to make a zine of our summer poetry special? Yes. That I have just, you know, a lot going on, but uh, you yeah. put together all of the submissions and we kind of uh, picked the best. Well, you did. Thank you. <laughs> and I'm going to make a couple of zines and I'll have them uh, by the weekend. So I'm looking oh, forward awesome. to turning that around. Part of my contribution to the poetry conversation. For sure. We'll have to make sure to have a few of those on hand for the uh, Utah Arts Fest in June. I'll keep some. There we go. Okay. That sounds great. That sounds But great. we have a pretty good poetry conversation going on in Utah, it seems like. We do. We do. And I think, you know, National Poetry Month is a is a great chance for people who maybe haven't tried writing poetry but have some interest or if they just want to you know give it a shot because i think i think it's important for people to realize that you know by writing poetry not only are we contributing to this ancient tradition of like oral and literary arts but we're often in conversation with other poets just like radioactive is uh, as poets we're keeping the conversation going and and if you're not sure what to write about even if you're a regular poet, sometimes you need, you know, a little muse. Uh, you consider responding to another poem as a as a writing prompt. So you can either answer a question the poet poses, or you can follow their format and write in your own voice, or borrow a line and make that your title to write something, you know, maybe totally new. So I, that's something I've always really enjoyed doing. Um, my first published chapbook was all response poems. Um, so I continue to do that. And uh, the poem I have for you is a poem that was inspired by a, a more 
new tradition started by a line from a Frank O'Hara poem entitled Katie. And that line reads, someday I'll love Frank O'Hara. And this inspired a poem by Roger Reeves, someday I'll love Roger Reeves, followed by one of my favorite poets who wrote someday I'll love Ocean Vong. And then one more by Dean Rader, I never knew I loved Dean Rader. So this poem is uh, in response to all of those poems. And one thing you'll need to know is that my whole first name is actually Patricia. <laughs> so I'm using that in this piece. You ready? I'm ready. Let's hear it. All right, great. I know I have loved Patricia after O'Hara, Reeves, Wong, and Raider. <laughs> there have been days I must have loved you, Patricia and not in the way a mantis loves its mate or in the way a copulating octopus may murder her lover, her arms pulling tight in aggression, locking his gills from ocean's oxygen. So deep below the surface, scientists don't know when or how often. Someday I'll love you often, perhaps without condition, and say so, letting the words I love you slide out in audible bursts, imperfect in meaning, but perfect in mouthfeel, words incapable of love themselves, inanimate and two-dimensional, only given life in how they pass from throat to ear, a type of protist, no mouth or muscles, no stomach, no blood, no veins. Yet we use a word to name and rename. I had to change yours to discover self-love. When your daughter was young, she too craved a name that meant something more than the one given. One day it happened and she became more, Clementine, with sunshine hair and limbs of leafy vine. You never knew you loved such words, words that became your children, her lovely orange contrast against her older brother's sky. You can't compare your son to a cloudless summer day, warm yet capable of anything in mere moments the lightning that has slashed in when least expected and nearly shut his eyes for good. When you were young, you loved the lightning, not its sudden shock, but the smell of thunder riding its heels across the horizon, a reminder of the power to both give life and take it and how you can only wait for it in the same way a poet collects words and forms phrases, words that can both give love and take it. Someday you will write a selfless poem, if there is such a poem, as if selflessness exists in any art form. But none of this is what I mean to say. I mean to tell you this. Certain he would be blessed with a firstborn son. Your father named you Jonathan before you were born. Your mother says your name unveiled in a vision when you arrived a girl. She says, highly born of gentle waters. She says, divinely inspired. So I have no questions about the person you may have been, the name re-given to your younger brother, or maybe there are questions after all. Remember, Patricia, when the OBGYN pressed the sonogram wand into the balloon of your belly, showed a formed face, and declared with 90% certainty, your first child a girl. You too were surprised the day he arrived, born a son who you named for the sky. I know I have loved you in ways both selfish and selfless. Rarely do I regret those ways. And even if I do, I give you permission to be content with whom you've become, with my love or without it, this brutish woman I love to know. Whoa. Yeah. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing your own work plus all the ways folks can take in poetry participate write their own poetry during national poetry month here in the beehive state trish where can folks catch up with you and rock canyon poets so of course rockcanyonpoets.com we are on facebook and twitter and if you want to see more about national poetry and learn how to get your poems published trishhopkinson.com or a selfishpoet.com hey thank you happy national poetry month yes to you too thanks so much laura and that's my conversation earlier today with Trish Hopkinson of Rock Canyon Poets. Check tonight's show notes for a link to her group. 
She curates a great list of poetry events and always has updates on submission opportunities for poets. When we come back, the Crown Act, which stands for Create a Respectful and Open World for Natural Hair. To get us from here to there, I asked one of my next guests for a song, so I'm going to bring her in now. Alicia Derso Garfield of Curly Me. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. How you doing? Doing well. And right. I asked for some songs, and you had one ready to go. Yes. So play the DJ. Tell us why this song from Willow with my hair is perfect for a conversation because it's it celebrates any type of hairstyle you may have in the video if you go to youtube and you type in um, willows with my hair um, you'll see she has braids and she's just carefree and it's really great for our girls to just have fun with and sing if they want to and and do what girls do or as adults just whip our hair back and forth so to you, DJ. All right. With your hair, girl. Willow on KRCL. <laughs> Utah Community Action is one of the largest nonprofits fighting poverty and its causes in the state. To support or access their programs for adult education, case management and housing, Head Start, heat utility assistance, nutrition, and weatherization for homes, visit utahca.org. This is Rashawn from Radioactive, and Radiothon is right around the corner, y'all. We're live and local and need you to help keep us that way. Pick out a t-shirt, join the Vinyl of the Month Club, or try on a gift for good. Just a few of the ways that we can say thank you when you donate to Listeners Community Radio of Utah online at krcl.org. And I want to see you in them shirts, y'all. Take care. 
Uh, Rishon Leak, community co-host, Tuesday nights on Radioactive. I'm Laura Jones, and coming up at 7, Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman and crew. At 8 o'clock, Thursday Night Psych with DJ Mike. The Dirty Boulevard with Gianni at 10.30. I Don't Sound Like Nobody with Rich Parks. Jolene, live with Illustrated Blues. Brand New Day with John Florence at 6 a.m. And did you know, you can hear the last two weeks of any of our shows online at krcl.org. Click the Programs tab, and you can listen on demand. Thanks to listeners like you who have been so generous in the past and supported us. Radiothon coming up on Friday, April 22nd. Earth Day, folks. All right, now it's time to talk about the Crown Act. And to help us with this conversation, we're passing the microphone to two women in our community. We have Alicia Derso Garfield of Curly Me, who you heard introduce the Willow song. Hey. Hey. And then we also have with us Imani Powell of Essence of Ebony, recently profiled in a Salt Lake Tribune article. Hi. Hello. Thank you both for coming down to talk to uh, our listeners about this. So the Crown Act, first of all, what does it stand for? And uh, where do we stand with this legislation nationally versus locally, Alicia? I think Imani said definitely ask you about that one. Definitely. So the Crown Act started in 2019 in California. That's where it was um, written up and it was passed there as the first state. And then um, the rest of the country got wind of it. And um, I'll say from my, my end, I didn't know much about legislation at the time, but I knew we needed to get this implemented somewhere in, in Utah. Um, so in 20, 2020, we were able to, I was contacted and worked with Senator Derek Kitchen to see if we could get uh, Senate Bill 80 passed. And um, that was 2021. Yeah, that was last year. And it didn't go over so well. Um, There is a level of ignorance. Uh, The bill basically is saying um, it's a a part of the Anti-Discrimination Amendment Act for Utah, it would be an amendment in that act. And it basically states that there are protective um, rights for different hairstyles that are just hairstyles that we wear on our head on a normal basis. So that's afros, bantu knots, locks, um, braids being um, some of the protective styles or just my regular afro being something that we just wear out. And we need to be protected because there are places in not only the country, but in the state that can um, enforce a grooming policy stating that your hair is not acceptable in the workplace or in schools. And so nationally, that's what the, um, the bill, the law would protect, particularly black people from being fired from jobs or um, expelled or or not being able to graduate from high school, which actually exists. Really, that's happened because folks were being told that they had to do their hair a certain way in order to walk, Yeah, basically. So create a respectful and open world for natural hair, the Crown Act. California has Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Utah wants it. What is the pushback that you're hearing? There's um, ignorance. We don't understand why we need this here. This doesn't exist. Because we're not racist, so we can't possibly need this. You know, we, um, in, in the words of... Senator Darren Owens, we are, um, you people are beautiful. This exact, I'm not even paraphrasing. These are his words. (laughs) These are his words. So black people are beautiful, but we clearly don't need to be, and these are my words, don't need to be protected when it comes to hair, hair rights. And so there is a level of ignorance um, that needs to be, we just need to spread education about why this this needs to exist just because you don't you don't experience it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist in the state of utah sounds like a lack of imagination as well since it doesn't happen to me uh middle class white male i'm guessing uh (laughs) then it must not be a real problem yeah we don't need to make a law for that well the thing is as utah I've been here since 2013 and the changes we're not we're not even talking about landscape like houses are being built buildings are being built downtown is crazy it's wonderful to see but that's also bringing diver, a diverse group of people i.e. black folk are moving out here and if we want to make sure that Utah is a welcoming state to um, black people this would be a great way to start and I'm not saying like this is we're not saying that this is a um, 
you know, a civil rights act of, you know, 1964, <laughs> okay. 65. We're not saying that, yeah. but it is a step that we can definitely make in our state. Um, this is the state I call home. So I would like for the tax paying dollars or the tax taxes I pay that pay salaries or pay um, our representatives. I would like for me to be represented in our bills. Now you started Curly Me. I did. Uh, as a some called to it and what I'm reading on your website. Yeah. Tell me about being called to this right. as a, a purpose, a life's path. Yeah, so I don't think it's too, it's too far removed from Utah because, you know, the missionaries, right? Yeah. <laughs> this two is the two, place, to right? Two, yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> I think that's a concept that most Utahns would understand. Um, but I do have, I am a woman of faith. I'm a Christian. And my background, I definitely, I came out here only expecting to be here for two and a half years. Came out here for education, but as it may be, I am still here. And I realized in 2015 that I could be a part of a solution to a problem that I was seeing. And um, Curly Me started in 2015 as just an idea. Um, and it allowed me to find out what my, my purpose was. Yeah. And that's what you see on, on our website, www.curlyme.org. Shameless plug. plug. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's what you see. It's me. I was able to find a part of my purpose with starting the nonprofit Curly Me. Um, but we did, the nonprofit didn't exist until 2018, actually. We were doing just events, um, fun events, getting to know our community, and then um, stepping out on faith, stepping over fear, uh, we became the nonprofit, filed out the paperwork in 2018, and that's we've been running ever since. So, Curly Me, you, you do a lot of events and education and classes. In fact, you just started one a couple of days ago, Braided. What does that mean? Yeah, let me tell you our mission really quick, like I you were saying. Yeah, yeah, my bad. Um, so, our mission is we are a resource for families with children of color, uh, specifically black girls between the ages of 5 and 14. We hold quarterly events and group mentoring to help educate, empower, and encourage them to be their best selves. So this year, I since I'll say 2018, I had been writing up some type of, um, it was a program of sorts um, that I wanted to do because it was something that I experienced back um, where I'm from in New Jersey. And this was the year that I decided to start it. Braided is, is an acronym for being real and incredibly determined. And it's a 10 month program that helps our girls develop developmentally and civically um, get the information that they may not know or may not have access to, or just to explore uh, how to be civically engaged in our community and how we can develop a sisterhood with these young black girls 11 to 14 years old. So we had our first meeting last month and it, it started off kind of scary because no one was talking, but in true fashion, you get girls together with fun activities, we're talking and snacks, we got something. <laughs> so we meet again next um, next week, next Saturday. And um, I'm looking, the girls are looking forward to, forward to it. The parents are excited about it. I'm excited about it, and so I actually get to live out what I believe I'm called to do here in the state. That's fantastic. We'll put links in the show notes, folks, so you can catch up with Curly Me. I remember as a kid, and I think this is for every girl, what do I do with my hair? And in Utah, I've got lots of options, but according to a Salt Lake Tribune article, there's 19 barber shops or hairstylists, salon folks, um, serving uh, black folks and their hair. And I asked you, to, is there anybody else we should have on this conversation? And you said, yes, Umani Powell, uh, Essence of Ebony. Hi, thanks for hey, coming. Thank you. So what did you find when you came to Utah, when it came to places to get your hair done or the, uh, the technical expertise when you found that place? So my story is a little different. Uh, I came here and my hair was like the back of this book. I had a low cut only go to a barbershop. It's pretty simple. Um, and I grew up in a salon. Both of my parents are cosmetologists. I literally was raised in a salon with a bunch of people, been around here all of my life. And when I moved to Utah, I specifically planned to never do hair. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm done. I was like, no one will ever know because I got a low cut. Nobody's going to ask me any questions. And then I had a friend of mine find my old Instagram page. <laughs> 
that I made when I was in college when I was working at a salon. Nothing ever dies on the oh internet. Oh my goodness. And Instagram wasn't even, 2017, Instagram was not it. Uh, you know, it was there uh, for people that wanted it to be there, but it wasn't like your all in all. So um, she found it and she was like, how could you do this to us? <laughs> like you knew you that kept... we had a shortage here. And I was like, y'all look beautiful. <laughs> you don't need me. I'm just a scientist, which my background is forensic science. That's what I went to college for. That's why I moved to Utah was to work in the forensic lab. So I had a good cover story. You know, I was <laughs> I was prepared, um, and it didn't it didn't work out too well. It turned out, you know, one friend is like, "Hey, can you do my hair?" I'm like, "Listen, if I do this, don't tell anybody <laughs> I did this." And black people don't they don't do that. They tell everybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, Monty did my hair and she lived here and this is what, yeah, it was, and gratefully, and I, I'm, I'm happy that it was, you know, I was snitched on in a yeah. sense, um, because it, it turned into a wonderful opportunity for me. I still worked in a lab for uh, a few years here. I quit in 2020, November 2020. Really? My corporate job, I was a chemist um, in quality control at a pharmaceutical company, uh, and I quit, and I had just started Essence of Ebony, and uh, it, it was one of those things where I, I was doing it because I love my people, yeah. and it was like, I, so I, there wasn't any, I didn't post a lot, I didn't do a whole lot of advertising, I wasn't going around giving out my cards, it was like, if you knew me, you found me, and I could do it, then I'd probably be able to do it for you. Um, and it just worked out since I quit, you know, apparently you got to pay rent and stuff out here. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, so in the I, middle of a pandemic, in the you middle of a careers pandemic, back I did. to the thing you grew up with. Yeah. And I, I swore up and down, I would never do any of it. And, wow. um, it, it turned into something beautiful. I had a very small, probably a quarter of this room was my studio. Uh, and now I'm in a double suite in West Jordan, a luxury suite and, I have two employees and it's beautiful to see that there's, I just wanted a place for us to go, to feel safe. Yeah. That is the only thing that I ever wanted. It wasn't about how technically correct anyone was. It, of course, I want to be the, the best and you know still do a good job and use the best products. Um, but it was more of having a safe place. And when, you know, when Alicia talks about the importance of the identity of a black girl and a black person, your hair is one of the top things that people talk about because it's the first thing you see. It's the first thing that you need to be able to take care of when you leave the house. It's so important to people that I just wanted to make sure that that part was good because I knew how to do it. It wasn't that it was necessarily my passion, but it was something that I knew that I could provide for people here. Talk to me a bit about doing hair, black hair in particular. Um, and why it's different and so time intensive too. Mm -hmm. um, I have a friend with two daughters and uh, when she would pay to have them go to the salon, I'm like, what was that time? <laughs> but it takes a lot of time and talent, definitely. You gotta be yeah. good at that or you're not gonna have a client base, I'm guessing. Not for long. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Someone will try no, I mean, there, there are ways, and I, I would say to speak to the time that it takes, our hair is curly and so what that, what that means to time is that we have to be able to get through every single curl so that it doesn't stay intertwined with one another. And uh, that just takes a lot of time depending on the density. So Alicia's hair would probably take me, you know, a good amount of time to detangle and then shampoo and then condition. And then if she wanted to blown out or if she wanted to strand twist, uh, our sections are smaller. Things just take more time when you're trying to be precise and because every strand needs to have the love and care of the moisture, you have to take your time to make sure you get through it. There's no way that you can just do too quick anything. Yeah. There's, there's Unless your hair is bone straight, um, but it still takes time to get there, you know? So if people do have their hair straightened, uh, that's, a, that's a whole process in itself. I have a, the girl in the news article in the Salt Lake Tribune that we were in um, between we actually myself and another stylist, we share her in a way. So she starts her hair and she does the shampoo, conditioning, blow dry, and detangling and trimming. Uh, and then I style her. And between the two of us, it's usually a total of about ten hours. Wow, for her that's and more than the whole day. You got to bring and she's lunch a, a and snacks. And her mom is on top of it. She's like, <laughs> "You want this? You want this?" And I can come get a smoothie. And I get so it. 
but she understands why mm. it takes that kind of time. Is it a rite of passage for black women, their hair and the and the salon? A rite of passage. I, I don't know if I would call it that in particular. Across to bear? Which, which where yeah, is it's, it? <laughs> it's, it's more of, for me, I, I like to phrase it as like a spiritual experience. Okay. Most of us, especially raised on the east or the south, we're raised with our mothers, our grandmothers, our aunts, doing hair in the house, on the porch, in the backyard, at a cookout, in the bedroom, on the floor, on a pillow. Um, and there's this, this relationship that's built when you are sitting down, letting someone like enhance your beauty and define what that looks like for you. And through all of that, it could be, you know, you got some chicken frying on the stove, you got some greens, you got some lemonade, you have people coming in and out the house. And so it's it's more of uh, something that's literally passed down from generation to generation. And so even if that's not, especially here in Utah, it may not be every black child's story, that yeah. that's the experience that they have. So when they do come into black salons like I have and Latanya has, and um, it's it's important that we make sure we take care of them yeah. and, and that they feel the love that we received when we were growing up. Wow, 10 hours. And I'm guessing with Curly Me, for for the the black girls that you are, are working with who may have white parents that don't have that background, Curly Me is huge in getting them up to speed. Um, yeah, so the time... I wanted to kind of go back to the time because a lot of people will take, oh my gosh, that's so much time. And, it, and it, it might be, but that is time that if I'm sitting with my mother, I'm spending time, I'm telling her about my day, that's building our relationships. That's time that you, you sometimes don't get with your kids. Yeah. So spending, you know, five and six hours with washing detangling or going to the salon and being done in an hour and a half like it depends on where you're going and what you're doing but at that time is so precious that parents are always like you know she was one minute is this and then the next minute she's a teenager that's time that you can look at and say we we spent time together but through through curly me we do have these experiences where it is time that we get to spend with these girls and we get to We get to mentor them. We get to love on them. We get to mm-hmm. love on their parents. We get to learn from them. We get to learn from their parents. So in uh, Imani and I, we grew up in the black households. So we there are certain things that we don't know about transracial adoption, and we are able to learn from the kids. And, and it's a it's a it's a great exchange of new traditions, possibly that we're making for our girls here in Utah and their families. Well, when mm-hmm. I think of all the different things pulling at kids these days to for their attention and to have 10 hours with your mom or maybe even your dad, how many dads are involved? There's quite a few. Song? I'll be honest with you. I, someone sent me a picture of a dad. He was, he was on it. He was at white father, two black girls. He was at like a, bas- like a basketball game uh, for, their, for the kids. And he was sitting on the sidelines doing hair. Doing I it. said, you know what? That is again spending time. Yeah. And the girls just, just was having so much fun. He had barrettes and combs, and I said, well, go ahead then, <laughs> do the thing. We're talking about the Crown Act tonight with my guests in studio: Alicia Derso Garfield of Curly Me and Amani Powell of Essence of Ebony, and also about the salons available in Utah. The Trib article said about 19 that specialize mm-hmm. in black hair. Is that too many? Not enough? We need oh, more? It's never I, enough. I just got... Too uh, many? <laughs> I don't this know. Said, you, you know how big this... You can't even yeah. see New Jersey well, on the map. And are they are they <laughs> concentrated? Like, do we need more uh, uh, salons out in rural parts of, yes. of the state? It's all yes. And I'm guessing you're working on all of it. <laughs> the two of you, right? It's all of yes. All of oh, yes. You, gotta get, you gotta get folks that know how to do hair yeah. in these rural spaces, though. Uh-huh. If the schools don't teach it, mm. oh, let's stop. Are we, going Are we stopping there? Yeah, I wanna talk about that. So part part of, of um, <laughs> the Crown Act is uh, also wrapped up in the the licensing of cosmetologists. Mm-hmm. Do you have to be licensed? Do you, I mean, what's the pushback in the cosmetology industry? So. You got lots to say. I know you did. <laughs> You're trying deep to. Deep breath. Trying to. 
Take your moment. Choose my words wisely. Uh, it is not required by the state in any state in this country to be able to do natural hair to get a cosmetology or a hair design license, period. Wow. Now, in some states, there are hair braiding licenses. Does that Utah have one? No, and they will. They will not. They will not be getting one. Yeah, you said not anymore because we used to. They did at one point. And um, so that they weren't teaching it either. No, it's it's hard. And I was just teaching the certification, the natural hair certification, on Sunday. And one of the uh, one of the students, she, we were talking about me being from Jersey and it being obviously more concentrated with black people and people of color and. You know, it's more culturally f- progressive, if you will. Uh, and she was just like, oh, I know they got it together there in the cosmetology. Baby, this is America. <laughs> still America. <laughs> it's still America. Just because there's more black people there does not mean that. it's going to be better <laughs> for black people there. It's just that we had a lot more mamas and mm-hmm. people that just were trained to do certain things and were able to maneuver around the system to be able to take care of us the way we were supposed mm-hmm. to. But by no means... Having a license doesn't mean that you are able to do. They don't even know how to comb mm. our hair, much less shampoo it or blow dry. I mean, the absolute basics. Disrespect. They don't. They don't know what the tools are because the tools are not the same. They don't know. So you can't just walk into any old oh, salon, no. absolutely, and, and be guaranteed not. to be experience. Yes, I went into a hair school out here in 2013, 2014, uh-huh. and I had one of the worst hair experiences in my life. I had come from. I was college i just graduated from college not too long ago at that time mm-hmm. and we I, I went to hair schools to get my hair done and it was the same hair school there as it is here uh-huh. and so i'm thinking oh we should be good and i was ignorant i didn't know that utah was that ignorant <laughs> and so i go into the salon and they have two students on my hair my head and i'm just like what the heck and then teachers kept passing and looking and I'm like, this is not normal. And this is before Curly Me. Mm-hmm. And then I go and I pay. And then I got in the car and something just didn't sit right. And then I started crying. I said, I got to call these people. I said, there is no reason that I should have sat in that chair for that long. And no teacher came to see about these these students. Yeah. This is ridiculous. And she was like, oh, you could call. I said, oh, you'd be, you, you'd be crazy if I came back and sat in a chair. Like, I would be dumb. Just saying it's still like that today. Same school. And no, you can't go into every salon to sit down and get mm-hmm. your hair done. That That is traumatic. Mm-hmm. Very. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that, uh, one of the missions of Essence of Ebony, a branch of it, is working on. Um, I'm a part of an organization called the Utah Beauty Project, which was also a part of the, the article in the Tribune. And one of the missions that I have in that organization is to educate stylists and students on how to take care of natural hair it doesn't it doesn't mean that you have to specialize in natural hair but you need to be able to shampoo condition detangle and at least blow dry or diffuse some Mm -hmm. anybody that walks into Mm -hmm. your space and if the only reason you're doing or rejecting them is because they're black or because you've never worked with curly hair. That is, you're not doing your job as a hairstylist. You need to get some more education. In fact, you've got the natural hair certificate program you just started. Yes, I did. How can people get engaged? How long? Tell us about it. So the natural hair certification program is a total of 20 hours. So it's eight theory hours where you'll be reading books. um, And the 13 hours is hands-on education. It's in one day. It's very intensive. Uh, but you walk away knowing so much more because it's small class sizes. Um, and you can you can register for the next cohort, which is in September, uh, through Essence of Ebony. So www.efebony.com slash NHC. Uh, and you can register there or find it on Instagram as well. So uh, that that's pretty much what the 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 intro of the program is but it's really to make sure that people understand that it's it's possible to be able to to do any style that you want to and it does all you need to do is take the opportunities that are and that's one of the things i say oh no one's here to teach us there's there's no one here and there's not enough black people for us to have to put it in our education Mm. and our curriculum um and so knowing how to do it i would think would be profitable Yes, when you when you talk about business, I, I tell students all the time, I said, 
I don't know where the lie began that there's no money in black hair. Uh, because that's where all the money is. Yeah. Listen, <laughs> black people spend well, the most coins. money yes, they will. in the country on hair products yes, and hairstyling. Well, you also created a book that I wanted to talk about that yes, you brought with you. We'll yes, check the show did. notes for a link and a photo. What's it called and what is in it? So it's a planner and guide for the hair of the African diaspora. Uh, so it's basically like a workbook journal guide. And so it has a place for you to record when you get your trims, when you get your braids, when you get your twists. And it, in the in the beginning of each page, it describes the importance and how to make sure that you're doing it the right way. It also has a place for you to put affirmations, the sage that you use, the vitamins that you take. Uh, one of the things that I realized as I was styling hair uh, was that people keep forgetting. When they come, they're like, oh, what shampoo yep. did you use the last time you came? Mm. Nobody remembers. Um, we don't know what note section. We don't know where the picture is anymore. Mm. Uh, and I, because I'm so forgetful myself, I'm like, yeah. let me let me make a little something because mm. I forget. So where can people get the book? So people can get this book on Amazon. Just search my name, Imani Powell. I'll put a link in the show notes and direct to it, folks. You can get the book. It's It's ready and available for people. And really quick, um, one good thing about this book, I was able to look in it and everything, is, is pure gold. For for parents of um, black girls, this is a great way to engage your daughters and, and your sons in what you are doing with their hair. So it's just like, oh, one day you want it, we're going to do Bantu knots. You know, two months from now, it's like, oh, mom, what's that style called that we did mm -hmm. for picture day? And you can go back to the workbook and say, this is the style that we did. Yeah. This is what we use. We go get it. these things and, and, and teach them about um, how often you should get your hair trimmed. How, what, what are we putting in your hair? And this is, again, when we talk about the time. This is building relationship between mom and dad or mom and mom and daughter, mom and son, dad and dad and daughter, dad and son. And. It, in the affirmations piece, yeah. because we're not getting that out in, in society. Mm -hmm. Our kids mm -hmm. are not getting that. We're hearing different stories about schools and Davis schools, school district, that whole situation. It's just like we need these types of books yeah. in our homes to make sure that our kids are taken care of. Well, in the last yeah. few minutes that we have, I want to talk about how people can get involved with Curly Me because you do need volunteers. Of course. We are a 501c3, y'all. <laughs> 501c3. So if you are interested in being involved um, with events, fundraising, um, if you have a little grant writing skillage, or um, if you have connections, you want to donate to our, our organization, you can find out more and um more about us at www.curlyme.org or we are on Instagram at curlymeslc. We're on Facebook at curlymeslc. Um, we just did, in order to talk about hairstyles, we just did a reel this week. So go on our Instagram, check it out of some of the different styles. And if you have any questions, just post in the comments. I run the, org the, um, the IG, so I will definitely answer. And you can find out more information about our committees and things there as well. We're still waiting to pass the Crown Act yeah. federally, pass the House, waiting for the Senate. And you're going to try again, I'm guessing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If it doesn't, House or House Rule uh, 2116 um, passed through the House of Representatives for, the, for our federal government. Um, we are waiting for the Senate. If it passed through the Senate, the president already said that he would sign it. If that goes through, when it goes through, mm -hmm. all we need to do is a resolution here in Utah. So we're pushing for that to get passed. You can also find out more information about the Crown Act at www.thecrownact.org. Or dot .com, I'm sorry, dot .com. It'll all be in the show It'll notes. It'll all be in the show notes. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yes, and thank you. I, you know, part of my job here at Radioactive is to find people who have something to say or something they want to share. So our mics are open to you anytime. Thank you. You want to work you. on some specialty shows? Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, thanks, everybody. I appreciate your time plugging into the community tonight. And to close the show, I found this great song that I'm going to share right now, folks. It's by The Real Young Prodigies. It's called Crown on KRCL. 90.9. Yo, prodigies, at it again! Crown! My curls, my twists, my puffs, my braids, my bantu, knots, our edges, lay.
KRCL, Salt Lake City.